So we are going to uh, the ARC, the youth group is, uh, Wednesday. And we're absolutely excited. It's going to be fun. And so <clears throat> I talked with Pastor Mark a little bit um, the other day. And this morning he is preaching in Pennsylvania. So make sure to keep him in your prayers this morning. Um, I think it is the, the first church he ever started. And so, but I'm sure he's excited to be there. Um, but we're going uh, Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock. We're leaving here. We're heading to Kentucky. I'm hoping we get to stop by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Amen. How many here have heard the phrase, I've got good news and I got bad news? The very thought of it puts a knot in my stomach. When I was about 17 years old, um, I had a 1985 station wagon. Some of you guys will know what that is. It's a Ford. It's really, really nice. Mine had the, the red suede uh, on the seat covers. I had the original uh, Ford caps on the hubcaps. But the coolest part about this, and most of the kids will have no idea what I'm talking about with this, the seat in the back face the back now as of why they put this in there I'll never know unless it's like you get to know you're being rear-ended by another car quicker I, I have no idea um, but I love this car so naturally I, I, I paid about $500 for this car you could never do that now but anyway I uh, got it from a junkyard place I had about 10 of my buddies this car was huge and man, it could, it could hold a lot of people. So my buddies got a hold of me, and they're like, hey, man, let's go out tonight. I'm like, all right, let's go out tonight. So I go up, pick up all 10 of my buddies. That's, I didn't have 11 buddies. I only had 10. But uh, <laughs> anyway, one of my friends decides to ask me. He said, Michael, he goes, let's go to the railroad tracks. Uh, some of you are looking at me now going, uh-oh, I know exactly where this is going. Uh, back in the day, kiddos, railroad tracks usually uh, went just like this, and then there was a dip in it. And so if you hit it at a certain speed, you could do like the Dukes of Hazard. And so uh, my buddies convinced me to do this with this vehicle. <sighs> so we get down the road, and I'm going a little bit past the speed limit. I'm 17 years old. You know how that goes. And we get close to this railroad track. I wind up hitting this railroad track, and just like I thought it was going to be, dupes of hazard. I have one buddy who had a, he had a soda in his hand. It went everywhere. Uh, my buddy Lyle, he was up on the roof like this. Uh, the two guys in the back looking at the back, I don't know what they seen, but they were, they were scared. But anyway, we land this thing. Scared me to death. And uh, I... <laughs> I remember looking at my buddies going, I'm never doing that again. That was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. We thought we made it. So we drive down about a mile. All of a sudden, the lights start getting a little dimmer. Uh, that V6 engine didn't sound like boom, 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 boom anymore. It didn't. It sounded like it was dying. My vehicle died on the side of the road with me and 10 of my buddies in there. We get out, we walk to a house that also, kiddos, uh, cell phones were 
much more expensive then, and so I didn't have one. So we had to walk to the house that had the light on, all that different stuff, knock up on the door. Hello, can we use your phone? It's about midnight. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever met goth rednecks. Have y'all ever met those people? They've still got their, their fingernails painted, the black, they listen to heavy metal, but they also have the trucker hat, you know, all that different stuff. That's who my friends were at the time. And so this guy goes, well, uh, sure, only you can come in and use the phone, though. said, fair enough, we call a tow company. It was about 20, 25 bucks to get it towed to where I lived. And then, of course, we towed it from there to a mechanic. The next day, I show up at this uh, mechanic's house. And uh, I was really sad because I... I I just didn't know what the, the car was going to, I didn't know what was going to happen with it. So I walk up, and naturally, these, these are some mountain folk. The guy was super nice, but he had a big old chew in the back in the side of his mouth. He's, I got to tell you something, son. He said, it looks like you had an elephant sit on the bottom of your vehicle. He said, what'd you do? I said, let's move on. So as this man begins to go through and tell me all the different parts, I'm not a car guy, by the way. So if y'all thought just because I like the car, I was a car guy, I'm not really. I like that they're beautiful and things like that. But if you tell me about engines and things, I'm out. So I did have a buddy with me that uh, knew a little bit. So every time he'd say something, that guy, oh, my buddy, but oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And so finally we got to a head gasket. Now I knew what that was. And he said, listen, we're, this thing is basically done for. Now keep in mind, I only paid 500 bucks for it. I'm 17 years old. Uh, he says, it's going to cost you about $1,900. I said, what? He said, I got some bad news for you. But I got some good news for you. I said, okay, cool. Bad news is, I would, I would chunk this thing. He said, good news is, I have another little car that you can use. I said, okay, cool. And so I always remember that story because of the, I've got some bad news, but I've got some good news. This morning, church, I have some bad news. I do. But I also got some good news. And it's 100% free. <clears throat> Please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 6. And if y'all don't mind to stand, that'd be great. When you're there, say amen. That was about half the crowd. When you're there, say amen. All right, cool. We're all there now. Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 1. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives, and they chose, any they chose. 
And the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. In his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. We're going to skip over verse number four. Not that we couldn't break it down today, we just don't have the time. Verse number five says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. Probably one of the best pieces of Scripture that you can read in the Old Testament is this next verse. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another wonderful day to be here uh, with all my friends at church. Father, for the next few minutes, could you help me out a little bit as we go through your word? Um, help to keep my, my nerves calm. Pray that you would uh, just help all of us to, to pay attention just for a little while. And Father, I ask that you be glorified amongst everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. How did we get to this? How did we get to where the very creator of the sun and the stars and the moon and every animal, every being, everything that was created by him, how did we get to a point where he was so grieved that he said he regretted even making us? We have to look no further than just three chapters back. I'm going to get you to turn there. Where Adam and Eve had a choice to either obey God or not. Let's turn to chapter 3. I did that because it's a little bit easier, you know. Everybody there? Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat out of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Satan delivered these words, You will not surely die. He was basically saying, I mean, you don't really believe that, do you? You see, the devil's lies have not changed very much. We even see this in society today. <clears throat> that the Bible is just a metaphor, or it's just good stories, but not practical in the world we live in. There's no way the entire earth was flooded. That Jesus, that Jesus guy was cool, but I don't think he really meant what y'all think he said. Anybody ever heard anything like that? It's wild. Or has anyone heard this? Tell us your truth. 
What's your truth? Romans 3, 4 says this, Let God be true and every man a liar. It's not our truth. It's what this Bible says right here. Do not let the devil's lies ruin those who, love, who you love and care for. Speak God's truth. I have a story that I was going to tell with that. So might as well. You know it, why not? So my brother, I have uh, three older brothers. I'm the baby of the situation. and I have three older brothers. And my dad, we lived in, in a place called Penrose, North Carolina, up on top of a mountain. And uh, my dad was trying to build a block barn. Um, he was going to be using a whole bunch of blocks and uh, getting the foundation there. And... Uh, so one evening, my dad had 1,500 blocks delivered to our house. Some of you know how expensive those blocks are. That's a lot of blocks, and that's a lot of money. So my eldest brother, he was already working, so he wasn't there. So it was my middle brother and I. And uh, my dad uh, brings the both of us out and says, Boys, I need to talk to you real quick. I'm looking at these blocks. They look beautiful. I mean, they're all just stacked up over here. And he says, boys, do not touch those blocks. All I heard was, that looks like a really cool fort. Uh, you know. Boys, I need you to understand, I, I've, I've got these that I'm going to be using. We have to do this, this, and that. Okay, Dad. First day was good. I just walked by him, did my regular chores. Second day I walked by him. Eh, it was okay, I went and like, Touched a couple of them, see how they were. By the third day, my middle brother comes up to me, and he, he's sitting there, and, he's, and he said, Michael, he's like, you know what dad's going to be using those for, right? I said, yeah, he said, the barn. He said, no, 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 no. So he said, do you see the, the little uh, ditch that he's digging over there? I said, yeah. I couldn't have been eight or nine years old. He said, uh, dad's going to bust up all those blocks and put all those blocks in that ditch. It was a lie. 100% a lie. So my brother begins to tell me where I can go get a hammer and bust all 1,500 blocks. Y'all want to know how I still remember this story? <laughs> my dad was so angry, I, I, you couldn't even understand what he was saying. He was speaking alien. I, I mean, so I learned that day that it, even my brother... I. You can't always trust people what they tell you. And so that's what the devil did. Adam and Eve had a choice to sin and go against God. And at that moment is when all of humanity was doomed and sin entered the world. You see, it wasn't always like this. Everything was beautiful in the garden. There was no sin in the world. Animals even used to live in harmony, not even kill each other. There was no death before Satan deceived Adam and Eve. There was only a perfect world and a perfect life, biggest part right here, and a fellowship with a holy God. The very next chapter we learned about Cain and Abel, two brothers, the sons of Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 4 should be easy. Just flip on one. Here we go. Y'all ready? We're going to start off in verse number 3. 
in the course of time came brought to the Lord an offering. The fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Of their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will not be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. We know that Cain killed Abel. If we look at the Bible account of Cain and Abel, we see that they both offered sacrifices. But even though they both offered something to God, their hearts were different. You see, Cain's heart was wicked and evil. God warned Cain that sin would be at his door. And that sin had a desire for him. This is a reminder to us that, our, that sin in our lives is always trying to persuade us to do bad things that dishonor and disobey God. This is what happened to Cain. Cain's sacrifice would not have pleased God. Now Abel's heart was faithful and true. And his sacrifice was excellent in God's eyes. When Cain realized that God was not pleased with his sacrifice, but accepted Abel, his heart became more and more wicked. He was so angry and jealous of his brother, he killed him. We look at verses like this, and we often try to put ourselves in the story. We say, wow, I could never do that. And he was really bad. And the truth is, we all have that sinful nature. We also tend to be the same way with other people. Why is he holding up that sign for money? There's jobs hiring anywhere. Or we watch the news of a shooting or a robbery and speak, out, or speak about how horrible these people are. And maybe throw in a side comment, if they were raised better, this wouldn't have happened. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if it wasn't by the grace of God, that could be any one of us this morning. If we begin to think we are better than someone else or less sinful, we begin to develop a prideful heart. There are so many verses that speak on this in the Bible. Proverbs 16.8 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29.23, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Psalms 10.4, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. Sound familiar? Genesis 6, 5, their hearts were continuously on evil. We know that Lucifer himself was cast out of heaven because of his pride. Ezekiel chapter 28 discusses the events leading up to his removal from heaven. As a creation of God, we know that he was beautiful and he had a position of power amongst the angels of heaven. He actually had pipes and drums built into his body, if you read through Ezekiel 28. 
Essentially, he was the choir director of heaven. Lucifer became so consumed with pride over his God-given splendor that he became corrupt and violent, not willing to serve under the very God who created him. Thus, Satan, sin was one of pride in rebelling against God and attempting to take from God the praise and glory reserved only for the Lord Almighty. Pride tops the list of sins that God hates. Proverbs 6, 16, and 17 speaks on this. The pride that the Bible condemns, though, is not to referring feelings of accomplishment over a job well done. Rather, pride in the biblical sense refers to being so obsessed with yourself that you, your mind never turns to God and your heart never seeks Him. Excuse me. If the only time you read your Bible is when you come to church, or the only time you think of the things of the Lord, or when you step through those doors and don't have a prayer life, we have a problem. You might be in the same situation as the world was in, in Genesis chapter 6. We're back to Genesis chapter 6 now. Verse number 6 says this, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Every time I read that, I, it, it put me in a, a, a spot where it just, how terrifying. Absolutely terrifying that the God that we all know that created everything regretted. I believe this morning we need to understand the word grieved, though, and what this means. This verse means that God was unhappy with the current state of man and how wicked the people on earth had become. Not only were they rebelling against him now, they were thinking so less of him that even through their thoughts were not even about him anymore. That's how less they thought about him. Just block him out. Does that sound familiar? This is why it is so important for us as parents and grandparents to make sure we have our children around the things of God. It doesn't take very long for people to forget about the things of God if they are not around the things of God. If we as parents don't make it important to teach our children how essential He is, we have what is called the four-generational fade. One. Parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. Two, those kids grow up and make it even less of a priority for their kids. Those kids grow up and make it no priority for their kids. Those kids grow up with no concept of who God even is. You can look all around and see it. This meaning now makes more sense. He was grieved and disappointed that he made mankind because of what mankind is now like. By God regretting his creation of men and women also conveys to us how wicked and serious mankind's sin had become. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
I don't know about y'all this morning, but I'm thankful for a God of second chances. He could have just destroyed everything, including Noah and his family, but he didn't do that. He showed mercy. He showed mercy where mercy was not deserved. We serve a mighty and loving God. Amen? Genesis 6, we're going to be in 10 now. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Cool dudes, by the way. Everybody there? Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. It's kind of interesting how it mirrors a little bit of what's going on now. Major violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The Bible says in verse 11, Now the earth was corrupted in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. The word corrupt comes from the Latin word com, meaning with, or together, and all. And rumir, I had to look that up, by the way, on Google. That's why I said it the way I did. It was cool. Rumir. Anyway. Meaning to break. Meaning to decompose. Putrid. Spoiled. Rotten. Simply put, the world was so wicked and vile that it was rotting from the inside out and the outside in. Humanity was rotten. The very thing that God created perfect, His most prized creation, was now described to us through His Word as nothing more than rotting sin. Verse number 13, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Imagine yourself as Noah for a second. Verse number 13, God says, Noah, I'm going to destroy everything. The Bible doesn't really say where he was or uh, what Noah was doing at that exact moment. But let's say just for the sake of imagination, he's just sitting there with God, and when God delivers the news. Think about the fear he must have felt. See, we have the word to look at and all that, but when, when God was telling Noah at this time, that's all Noah heard. That's it. That's, that's what he heard. Imagine all the people you know, co-workers, friends you have, your favorite person at the restaurant you like to eat at, the person delivering your mail, your wife, your husband, your children are all going to die. Noah himself didn't even know what God's plan was at that exact moment. No idea. And the last word he hears is the voice of God saying all these things about how he's going to destroy. I'm sure the silence was so loud he could hear his own heartbeat. Verse number four. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. 
make rooms in the ark and cover it up inside and outside with pitch. Yes! Yes! Listen, the whole time I've been telling you, I told you I was going to tell you about some bad news and I was going to tell you about some good news. The bad news was all of humanity was dead. And then all of a sudden, God says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. He gave Noah an opportunity. He gave humanity an opportunity right there. There was hope. God tells him to build an ark. A really, really big boat. He gives all the measurements in verses 15 and 16. We'll read it. This is how you are to make it. And the length of the ark is 300 cubits. And the breadth is 50 cubits. And its height is 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark. And finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. I would love to go through that, but we can't. Make it with a lower, second, and third deck. So now we know how long it needs to be, how wide it needs to be, and how tall it needs to be. There's even a huge door that needs to be put in the side of this ark. I'd love to go through that one time. Maybe we'll get a chance. He talks about how he needs to make like three different levels in this boat. Did I mention how big it was? God even tells Noah he's going, um, he even tells Noah he's going to do it in verse number 17 and 18. He's telling him how he's going to destroy it. Verse number 17 and 18. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. It says he's going to bring a, a, a flood of water. And as we read further, he tells them how he was going to do it. He was going to do it by rain. What's rain? This, is, this kind of shocks some people whenever I tell them this. You see, the people in Noah's day wouldn't have even known what rain even was. They'd have had no idea what rain was. It had never happened before. Genesis number one. We don't have to turn there. I've got it here. Genesis 1, 6, and 7 says this. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters which were under the expanse. From the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And in Genesis 2, verse 5 says this. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain, and there was no man to till the ground. These verses teach us that it did not rain until the time of the flood. And it makes sense. If they would have known, they, they could have built their own little boats and tried to, to figure it out themselves. And that the earth was watered by a mist and rivers that flowed all around. So even Noah must have not even understood exactly what it was about to happen. But for him, the how didn't matter. The only thing that mattered is that he had faith that God was going to protect him and his family. And that he was to obey all things the Lord had told him to do. This boat, or the ark as the Bible calls it, 
was the only salvation for mankind. Verses 18 and 19 say this, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of flesh you shall bring two of every sort in the ark <laughs> to keep them alive with you. Y'all, they get to keep the animals too. They get to keep the animals too. I mean, I told you, the very beginning it was bad. Basically, everything that had breath was going to die. Now we have at least eight people who are going to be getting on this ark and we get to save our puppy. Or, I don't know, maybe it was giraffes. I There's so many different animals. But they got to save the animals. Amen. God is good. And verse number 20 says this. Of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come shall come in to you to keep them alive. Y'all, I'm excited about this. Do you know why? They kept the bugs too. Anybody know why I'm excited about that? I'm a bug man. They kept the bugs. Yes. Yes. Oh, whenever I was reading that, I did. I was like, <laughs> oh, man. Also take with you every sort of food, verse number 21. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. The Bible states that it took Noah anywhere between 100 and 120 years to build this ark. It is not really surprising it took this long if you think about it. Just imagine how much wood it would have taken to make this. The Bible tells us it was 300 cubits long, which equals almost 510 feet, uh, or almost football field, and almost 50 feet tall. This was going to take a lot of wood and a lot of trees and a lot of manpower. But not just any trees. The scripture tells us it was gopher wood. Anybody know what gopher wood is? That took a while to try to go through that. Nobody really fully knows what it is, but they think it's in, uh, uh, it's kind of in the cypress uh, family, if anybody knows what cypress is. I tried to do some research on the subject, and of course the only thing I could find is it was kind of like the cypress tree. And get this, it has incredible resistance to moisture, sounds good. It does not decay, that's great, easily, and it floats extremely well. So for the time being in your mind, whenever you think of it, just think of cypress trees. Anybody know what a cypress tree is? Okay, good. We got three people who knew what a cypress tree was. All right. That's awesome. Well, my house, as a kid, my dad would say when he wanted me to grab some wood behind the shed, he'd say, son, go for wood and bring it back to me. This was a very large vessel. So we know that between Noah and his sons, by the way, keep in mind, Noah's 500 years old. They most likely would have needed help cutting the wood for this structure and supporting it. 
from all and around the area. So we have to assume they would have been building this right alongside Noah. People would have been right alongside of him building this. People in the towns, all that good stuff. How sad to know that for this, all this time, there were people who were so close to their salvation. And because they didn't believe Noah and what God had told them, the rains were going to come. The rains were going to destroy him. You see, Noah had no idea when God was going to flood the earth. All he knew was that he said he was going to do it. And that was enough for him. Hebrews 11.7 says this. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I wonder how many times Noah pleaded with the people around him and even the people would have been, uh, that would have been building on this ark. Wait a minute. You're telling me Noah tried to warn these people about what was going to happen? Second Peter says this, 2, 4, and 5. For if God spared not the angels that had sinned, he's talking about the devil and his angels that he cast down from heaven that we were talking about just a, a little bit earlier. And deliver them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Verse number five, please don't miss this. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. What does that mean? He was preaching about the flood and the devastation that was about to happen to the world to anyone that would listen. So you're saying he was trying to warn people about the judgment? I'm saying this. What kind of person of God, knowing that there's going to be a judgment on mankind, wouldn't be telling people about a way to salvation? The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher, a proclaimer of God and his message to the people. So yes, he told people about the upcoming destruction. And he would have told them about the only way they could have escaped this judgment. When studying this, I couldn't help but imagine what that might have looked like. Maybe as he was working on the ark, man that was working near him, Noah got another opportunity to tell him of what was to come. The man turns to Noah and says, listen, I'm not that bad. He won't judge me. Now the guy that lives next to me, you need to talk to him about it, but this isn't for me. Or maybe as he was working on the ark, there was a young man or a young teenager. They were with their friends who wanted to see what all this commotion was about, about the ark. Noah begins to explain to these kids about what God had told him and how it would affect them as well. And their age didn't matter. The young people begin to look around at their friends and one by one they would say, no, that's not for me. Because they were afraid of what their friends might say. 
Maybe they will laugh at me or not be my friend. I just can't believe that right now. Maybe as he was working on the ark, he needed to go to the market, which is only maybe about a mile away, two miles away. He maybe needed another tool because one had broken earlier that day. The ark was almost complete. He just needed a few things. And on his way, he passes by a home. He notices a young lady with a newborn baby. Even though he was busy, he stopped by to tell her what God had told him and about the only way her and the baby would survive would to be have faith in God and to come to the ark of salvation. She looks around, looks at the ground, looks at her baby, and possibly looks at Noah. I hear what you're saying, Noah. I can't right now. Plus, uh, I, I, plus I, I, I just can't do this. Me and my baby will be just fine. And as Noah begins to get burdened more and more about these people. Maybe, he, he, maybe he's working on the ark. He passes by a man. Noah stops him and tells him what God is going to do. And today, Noah is extra burdened. They're putting on the final boards. Time was running out. God's judgment was soon approaching. And as he begins to plea with this man, the man only replies, do you see that house in the distance? That's mine. I built it. Do you see all the cattle, the sheep? That's mine as well. I own many things, Noah, and I will not leave them for anything, including your God. I had a man tell me he couldn't go to heaven because his, he had to keep his property in line. As just a couple months ago, he was sitting there talking to me about it. said he had to keep his property in line and had to... Um, he didn't want to leave his cars. That's the reason he wouldn't accept the Lord. There's no way to fully understand all that might have happened to Noah and his family in those final days. Everything was set in place. The Bible says Noah did all that the Lord commanded him to do. Everything from the uh, exact wood he should use. <clears throat> all the way up to gathering food. And the day came when God told Noah and his family to enter the ark. The Bible says that for seven days they waited in the ark. After God had shut the door, they waited seven days. The work was finally finished. No hammers, no sawing, no loud noises. 
Once again, there was silence in the valley where the ark rested. Day one. As the people began to notice the silence, they might have stared off in the distance. They could see the ark. But this rain Noah spoke of didn't happen. We'll skip ahead a few. By day six, this time, people of the towns around Noah's ark were making fun of him, making fun of his family. Possibly even saying, Noah's crazy that he hears voices in his head. And maybe those children and the man with the house begin to join in with the rest of the crowd, making a mockery of the very creator of the universe. Day number seven. Judgment day. And on the morning of the seventh day, the same mother we were talking about begins to get food ready on the fire, on the fireplace inside the house. And as she's getting the, um, the food ready, she hears the, the call of the baby. We all know that, right? She goes over to the child and begins to do what mothers do about getting all the different stuff ready. A little small child. She decides to take a walk outside. She gets out the front door. Maybe can see the ark off in the distance. It's been seven days now. Nothing's happened. Doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. Noah might have just been shut up in there and who cares? It didn't affect them. Mother holding her baby, just like mamas do, begins to play with the baby. And out of nowhere, a raindrop hits the top of the baby's forehead. They had never seen it before, so they wouldn't know what it is, so the confusion might have set in for a second, and then maybe she's looking off in the distance, sees another raindrop, then another raindrop. And at that moment, the mother begins to understand that Noah was right, and there was a judgment coming. I know how you mothers are. I know how much you love your babies. I do. I wonder if that mother might have went and taken that baby and ran as fast as she could, try to get to the, to the ark. By this time, maybe a couple hundred other people are around this ark. She runs up to the door and, Noah, Noah, let us in. The door was shut. Noah, please, my baby. too late judgment has begun to fall and the only people that were saved were in that ark and everyone else died 
I promised you guys some good news, bad news. But here's the deal. This, this is only part of the story. I've got some bad news. I do. I have some bad news for you this morning. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Except this time, not with water, but by fire. Everything that uh, we own and have, that 85 station wagon, wherever it's at right now, doesn't matter. The home doesn't really matter. None of that matters. Because eventually it's all going to go away. What matters is if you trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I told you I had some bad news this morning, but here's the good news. He died on a cross for you. And in three days, He rose again. Now we can talk about what He did in those three days. I surely do love doing that, but not this morning. It's good stuff. But then, uh, He tells the disciples that He's going to prepare a place for us. You ever thought about that for just a little bit? Now, if it took seven days to create the earth, right? All the different stuff. It's been just a little over 2,000 years what heaven is going to be like. Amen. I'm excited about that. But anyway, he says, um, I'm going to send you a comforter. Man, I love that comforter. There, there's times whatever I'm just like, Oh man, I ain't going to make this. The Holy Spirit just absolutely loves on me. And I'm so thankful for Him. He left the, the best comforter ever. But then here's the crazy part. This is, this is where it's good, bad news, all that different stuff. He's coming back. Okay, I need y'all to understand this. He's coming back. There's two different types of people that are in this room right now. Two different types of people. When I say, hey, he's coming back, there's people like me going, mm -mm -mm. and then there's people who go, I have no idea what he means by that. How terrifying. As the worship team comes up, When I first originally uh, started going through this, because I knew we were going to Noah's Ark, there was so much that I wanted to do. And honestly, when it comes to Genesis, it's like there's so much in there. I mean, we could, we could literally, just in the first six chapters, could spend six months in it. But I knew we had to get through it before we went on Wednesday. Told you I had good news and I had bad news. Bad news is, I've got two brothers. And if they died this morning, they wouldn't make it. That's me. That's me telling you from here. Y'all got family and friends too. If they died today, you know they wouldn't spend an eternity in heaven. And so as we go through and we, we hear things like this, 
I wonder what we're doing for those people. I got to thinking about a, a young man that's in the youth group. Um, he began to tell me about um, just family things and, and what was going on. And, and I was so encouraged by the fact that he was telling me that he just has become a prayer warrior. And so I began to ask him, I said, man, would you, would you pray for my brothers? You see, I'm, I'm the baby. I was supposed to be the, the one that uh, got babied with the family, all that different stuff. That's not what happened, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I'm not even, I shouldn't even be up here. I shouldn't even be up here. God absolutely changed my life and my world and put an absolute burden on my heart to let you know that Jesus is going to return. I don't know when it is. The Bible says, I, I mean, he, he, the son doesn't know. I, I, I know all that. I know all that. I'm not sitting here trying to make you think that I know some special date or time. I don't. But I know he's coming. And whenever I read through um, about Noah, I'm, I can't imagine what the burden was for, for him. He's going to return. I hope you're ready. Just because you sit on a church pew doesn't guarantee your seat in heaven. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, whenever I was, uh, most people could come up to me and, hey man, do you, do you say, brother? Man, I could give you the best line that you would ever have. And I was lost and on my way to hell. You guys are my friends. Most of you I, I know pretty well now. I've got memories with each one of you. Make sure that you know that you know. Because I'm telling you, He's coming back. And if you look at things, it's more sooner than later. Amen? I'm going to sit over there as they do the, the music and all that. I'm going to sit over there. If, if there's anybody that needs to talk, I'd love to do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for another wonderful Sunday morning. God, I thank you for everyone who's here. God, I thank you for your word. But most of all, I thank you for your son dying on a cross for me. Father, I pray that... Uh, if somebody here is not saved and they know they're not saved, Father, I pray that you would absolutely make it to where they can't eat, drink, or even be happy until they get right with you. Father, we love you and thank you for the many blessings that you give this church. We don't deserve a bit of it, but you give it. We love you and thank you for all the many things you do. In Jesus' name, amen.